Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hey, everyone. Another Monday special with uh, me, just little old me. Today, I want to talk about 10 challenges in property investment that you're going to face or you will be facing and kind of, I guess, how I handle them. If you're new in property, then I think it's quite easy for it to be painted as, you know, something that is straightforward and no money down in and no money left in, lease options, you know, coming out your ears and, you know, refurbs for a grand and, you know, stuff that isn't always true or as easy as it seems. So I want to talk about some of the challenges that I have faced in property over the last uh, five, six months of being in it full time, uh, how I deal with them. And then, yeah, maybe some take home sort of things that you can do to deal with these challenges. And also, I've been posting a lot of success lately on, on Facebook and Instagram because I've been having a lot of success lately. Um, but before that, there was, you know, a lot less posts about success. And I want to show you, you know, the ups and downs, the left, the right, the the top, the bottom, the, you know, side to side, everything about property, especially from, you know, my perspective as someone who hopefully you've followed for, you know, however many months and seen um, where I've started and where I am now. So just a reminder, I am a co-host of PPN Knightsbridge. Um, I'm affiliated to myself, Tej Talks. So come and see me and the wonderful Pippa every second Tuesday of every month. Few exceptions, but they'll all be on the website. Um, yeah, I'd love to see you there. And if you want to ask me any questions or you want to meet up, it's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Quite difficult to get me into London or somewhere usually. So I'm not going to necessarily go in a particular order because my mind doesn't seem to like structure um, or order. So it's kind of, I've written some notes down. Can you believe this? I actually wrote notes. I mean, it's 10 bullet points. So the first one is, uh, which strategy? That's probably a good one to start with. When you start out in property, when you see what is offered on courses or on the internet, or you see, you know, oh, she's doing SA. Oh, he's doing rent to SA. Oh, wait a minute. But they're, they're really hating SA. Oh, they're doing buy to lets. Oh, yeah. Wow. Buy, yeah. Buy to Oh, no, but 250 a month cash flow. Ooh. Oh, HMOs. Thousand of Oh, yeah. Got, oh, block toilet. Tenants fight. Oh, hmm. Land. Uh, oh, oh, how do I raise money for... You know, it's very easy to kind of go through what I just described and, like, not know what on earth you need to do. And that's normal. And honestly, I don't think there's a silver bullet around it. I think everyone is going to go through this. Or, and if you're listening, if you've been through this, then you know that, you know, it can take a little bit of time, whether that's a day, a week, a month or whatever, for you to realise what you want to do. And also, you may not even realise without actually trying it. I first tried rent to rent. I mean, I must admit, half asked, you know, looking back at it, because I didn't actually want to do it. But I realised that only after almost securing one rent to rent that I didn't want to do it. Uh, and that's just me. Because I actually then realised, okay, this is not actually what I'm in property for. And it switched. So you may not know that. Um, the best thing to do is to read books, listen to podcasts, speak to people who are doing certain strategies who have done it. So people who, are, I don't know, 10 units in or whatever. And then speak to people who are just literally starting out in it. And get views from both. And remember, take everything with a pinch of salt. You know, 
X is going to hate it, but Y is going to love it. And, you know, you're just going to be thinking, oh, what the hell? Uh, you know, just take it with a pinch of salt and a pinch of Nando's sauce. I haven't had Nando's in a long time. Uh, so it can be tricky, but educate yourself on each one to an extent. I'm not saying pay for a course on every single one, because what's the point? Uh, but know enough on each strategy that you can then form yourself, right, do I want to do this or not? Um, and look at the results other people are getting and look at the failures other people are having in this strategy. Are those the kind of failures you can cope with or you want to cope with? Second one is money. Uh, not all of us start with a lot of money. Uh, some of us do, but you will run out of money at some point. Um, unless you're Kylie Jenner and you've got billions or billion or Jay-Z or Beyonce. Anyways, uh, you know, you're going to run out of money at some point. And that's a challenge because sometimes, like me, <laughs> hi guys, uh, you buy a house without the money to pay for it, but you find it. Um, when it's a two-week completion deadline or a four-week completion deadline, maybe, you know, <laughs> your your bravery slash stupidity appetite is up to you. Mine's clearly high, but I had faith uh, and confidence that I could pull it off. And I had three or four different routes of funding you know, that I knew one, at least one, like I sort of knew would come through and it worked out and we cool, we completed early, all good. Um, that's not to say I recommend that or I don't recommend it. There's nothing like a hard deadline for pressure, but there's also nothing like defaulting and, and losing a deposit. So be careful with things like that, but plan ahead. A mistake I made was not starting to fundraise like four months ago when I didn't need the money or at least I didn't think I needed the money. And all of a sudden, in the past month or two, I've bought uh, how many? eight houses now. And that's literally happened in the past two months. Imagine if I'd been fundraising from the beginning. Potentially, I could have bought more now or I could have moved quicker. But I started fundraising when I had deals. And look, it's a chicken and egg situation. You know, you get the deals first or the money. I think you should always, and I think Susanna Cole said this on her episode with me, you should always be fundraising. If you haven't heard her episode, go check it out. It's like the most loved episode ever. So the next thing is deals. Like you are going to run out of deals. Now, having an incredible network, estate agents, property traders, uh, property sources, if you want to use them, um, a network of agents who like you, uh, a network of, well, not a network, but having right move alerts set, checking things manually, having a VA sourcing properties for you, whatever you're doing, never stop like buying deals. Because look, if you get a deal and you cannot find the money, like you just can't, then, you know, obviously you need to be compliant, but you can sell the deal on as a deal sourcer. Don't be doing that if you're not compliant, obviously. Uh, or you may be able to secure a lease option on it. Or like I always say, look, once you have a deal, like just make it work. Find the money, source it on, you know, try and get a lease option. Do something to make it work because deals, are, you know, they don't come around that often. Uh, despite what like Facebook might show you, they do not come around that often. They're hard to find. Uh, so, you know, be prepared to have a point where you're just like, damn it, you know, I've got all this money or I've not got money, but I've got no deals. What the hell? And you know what? At those moments in time, you'll probably regret not doing a D2V campaign or not doing Facebook ads or not doing something different other than speaking to agents. That's why it's important to diversify where your leads and your, your properties come from. Um, and, and, it, it's, you know, it's hard for me to sort of say, oh, always keep looking and always keep fundraising. But if you're always looking for deals and you're always fundraising, you know, on a top level, that means you have both sides of the equation. You can keep buying. So be prepared to run out of deals. Uh, the next 
challenge, I've kind of written down time versus income. Now, it's yeah, running your own business is just so busy, you know, it's a busyness sometimes. And it can be really hard to, to sort of allocate time to the right things and even knowing what the right thing is. Um, there'll be a point where you'll be like, right, you know what, my time is actually worth. And it's easy for everyone to say, you know, generate income, generating tasks and outsource from the beginning. But you know, sometimes you have to realise yourself. Like I recently realised, I'm like, damn it. Okay, my time actually really costs a lot of money now. Because if I'm spending an hour here, not on what I need to be doing, that is potentially a deal lost or an investor lost or a refurb not done to the level I like it or, you know, something. So it becomes important that you value your time more. And that doesn't mean stop meeting up with people. But, you know, lately I have stopped meeting up with people as sort of frivolously as I did before because I'm like, you know what? Like, I just can't right now because the time versus cost of this is, is like too low compared to what I could be doing because I have so many properties going at the moment. But if I run out of deals and it was it was kind of dry, then I'm more likely to do more meetups because the time versus, co- yeah, versus income or versus cost changes its profile then, right? Uh, and I guess this is quite normal, you know, like being an entrepreneur, you, you're just broke until your refinance comes in, then you're, then, you're, then you're a baller for a month, then you buy again, then you're broke again for six months. You know, it's, it's just like a constant kind of cycle, but try where possible to learn how to value your time early on. Outsourcing early is important. I think for me, I outsourced at the right time. Uh, I'm still outsourcing things, you know, as we speak and creating videos for VAs, but, you know, early on, plan what you really don't want to do in your business. Um, and then plan what you want to be doing and then work out how to outsource them. Some things can't necessarily be outsourced. Relationships, people, you know, most of your brand, your brand voice can't be really outsourced. But I mean, for me anyway, that's kind of the fun stuff. But for you, it might not be. So either, you know, write these things down from the beginning. Have You know, say, right, I am having my own business for a reason. Now in six months, 12 months, whatever, these are the tasks I'm not doing. They're either outsourced or I'm going to find a business partner. You know, why have a business and do things you don't want to do? Like, you might as well work for someone. I caveat that, though, because I still do things I don't enjoy doing. Admin, um, you know, getting search indemnity insurance myself because I have access to the this, this um, legal search platform someone gave me. Shout out to you. You know who you are. Thanks, Geza. Um, You know, to save five quid, I'll still do that, though, because it matters. Um and like but I don't necessarily enjoy the admin of typing all that crap in but as a business owner you will have to you know do things you don't enjoy but start working towards a life where you can just do what you enjoy uh and it's different for everyone people say it to me why don't you outsource interior design or you know why are you on Amazon or um the tile shop choosing the exact tile you want in your kitchen I'm like because that that's what I do like, that's what I love doing so I'm going to cho- you know I'm going to do these things that other people hate because I love them and vice versa. So the next one is seeing results. Now, the challenge arises when you see other people's results and you aren't seeing your own. Now, I always say, you know, our success, and that's you, that's me, so everyone listening, is just around the corner. However, your corner might be 100 meters away, my corner might be 10 miles away, and your friend's corner might be 50 miles away. But you just don't know when that corner is going to come. But the sooner you give up, the further you are away from that corner. So, you know, keep going. 
because you honestly never know when things are going to turn around. You know, like I said before, I had two properties for like three, four months. I was just offers, 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 105 offers later, boom, rejected. Two auctions later, boom, rejected, failed. Next thing you know, in two weeks, I bought, I remember, I was like four in two weeks and then four in another sort of four weeks afterwards. And I was like, whoa, where did this come from? So I turned, you know, the first of many corners on my journey and that's happening and that's that's on its way for you if it hasn't happened already. And if it has, the next one's on its way. But you just do not know when that's going to be. And I guess the further away it is, the stronger you get. So, you know, gratitude is a must and see that as a blessing. Um, and when you see people on social media, look, pe- some people are genuinely successful. Some people are just stunting. Uh, hashtag Lamborghini Mercy. And then there's people who are sort of in the middle and there's people who are authentic and realistic. It's up to you to curate your network appropriately and also perceive people in a certain way. It can be tricky because, of course, as humans, we like shiny things. It proves wealth. But then we don't like when the shiny things tricks us into, you know, losing money or investing with or believing someone who isn't hasn't actually got the wealth. But it's like a circle. It's our own fault as society for liking shiny stuff. If I came into a room scruffy, which is how I enter most rooms, if you've ever met me, um, but someone walked in a suit, nice watch, Bentley key hanging from the back pocket, and we both were selling a property course, who are you more likely to want to invest in and learn from? I think you know the answer as a, as a generic response and as what most of society would answer. Some of you might say, oh, but Mark Zuckerberg works t-shirts. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, a different generation may go with me in this scenario but you know most society probably wouldn't so sometimes we have to look at ourselves um when it comes to like perceiving others like uh, you know i see it as uh, inspiration so for example i really like cars so i mean i live in an area that's i mean it's only sort of well it's expensive just because it's close to like london and it's got crossroads and things like that but i live in an area where there's a lot of egos there's a lot of nice cars and crappy houses which is quite funny but you know, every day, wherever I am, I see a nice car, you know, a car that, you know, costs six figures or maybe slightly less or, you know, a car that I think is nice. Now, I used to be like, ugh, drug dealer or ugh, daddy's money, mummy's money and kind of just be like, yeah, and this was like, you know, a couple of years ago. But over the past few years, it's really changed. And now when I see, let's say, a Bentley Continental GT, only a new one, though, I don't like the old ones. When I see it, I literally stare at it and I kind of, I take a deep breath and I take it in, right? I literally absorb the energy from seeing that car. Now, I'm not like money-driven or materialistic. And if you kind of know me and you've met me, you'll be able to tell that straight away from how I am and like just the way I am. But these things, they kind of, they're nice. They're powerful drivers, you know, just like little reminders. Like, ah, yeah, you know, we'll have that soon. But I know whatever car I'm sitting in, I'll be happy or unhappy irrespective of that right doesn't matter um so these kind of things i I absorb them now and i say right good on you person like i'm happy for you and i will see you in a few years at the traffic lights and we will not race because i'm a sensible driver thank you very much but um i absorb that energy in and you should do the same thing when i see people killing it in the game of which there are many and many on my podcast it's so easy for me to be like, oh, damn it, what? Why haven't I got, you know, half, you know, whatever. But I don't. I say, 
cool. You know, this is inspiration. I'm going to absorb this energy and I'm going to use it and I'm going to go hard. That's how I see it, right? So change your perception, right? Be indifferent to, to things that make no difference. Stoic philosophy. The next one is mental health. Now, I really love property. And at the beginning, you know, right at the beginning, I didn't know if I would. I thought, oh, it's just going to be another Tej thing where you do it for like a few years and then you're like, oh, I don't like it next because I'm a bit fickle, right? But actually, as soon as I got to the refurb stage and interior design, which I sort of knew I would, I love property. Honestly, I think I buy more houses, not for the money, not for the cash flow, but because I'm like, ooh, another house means another kitchen design. It means another feature paint. It means another cool light feature. You know, like literally every time I buy a house, once the figures are done, once the important basic stuff is done, I'm like, cool, right. What, what's the design? What are we doing? Is this a marble one? Is this a concrete effect one? You know, well, what's the house? And you can hear by my voice. I love that aspect of property. And that, that just gets me so excited. And I love that, you know, from grand designs and amazing spaces. It's the reason I kind of got into property was interior design. But since I've kind of discovered that, you know, I haven't had like any sort of big mental health problems or challenges. Now, when I was in recruitment, I definitely suffered, you know, being lonely, um, you know, being quite low and upset and maybe even slightly anxious uh, and not being social at all and just being a miserable, <clears throat> you know, and that's because I really didn't enjoy it. Like respect to the industry, it, you know, it made me who I am and taught me so much, but I did not enjoy it. You know, I remember sitting in this same home office I'm sitting in right now, like, and just feeling like crap staring at this just doing nothing and getting nothing done and even talking about it now i'm like oh god like it just feels crap but now i sit in the same office i have no problem being here i get up early i'm up out of bed boom into work i'm here till midnight whatever but like i have such a different level of energy than i did in recruitment and that's because my mental health has shifted dramatically i did a podcast episode called let's talk about mental health so go have a listen to that i'll focus on that in more detail there uh but i think it's important to look after yourself physically and mentally and both by looking after yourself, you know, physically and mentally, it, it complements the other. Uh, and, and don't neglect that. Don't work all the time and not relax. Um, like you need to like this hustle 5am hashtag culture, like that's great for Americans and that like in Silicon Valley, you want to get burnt out and you know, whatever happy days. But like, you know, seriously, like it's, it's just not, healthy for you you know hashtag hustling is good but you know there's a level um and there's yeah you need to control that and i think you know i'm not a qualified practitioner to give any help but i think for me what sort of maintains my mental health is having an incredible network having great friends who you can have a laugh with but also talk seriously with and having a diverse range of friends who are not all entrepreneurs um who have quite a nice mix having a pet would be amazing now if i had a pet wow I'm pretty happy, but if I had a pet, I'd just be over the moon. But alas, uh, Indian parents won't let me, and obviously I live at home. So that's coming soon. So, you know, look after your mental health. Use apps like Calm or Headspace. Uh, I've been using Headspace for like the past month, I think, without fail every night. It's been helping. Uh, get out the house. Don't be a social recluse. You know, don't feel guilty for watching a bit of Netflix, you know, or watching a movie or for going out to eat or, you know, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself sometimes. Like, don't be too critical on looking after your health because 
just one more email, just one more call is great, but it can be soul destroying. And, you know, to summarize, if you're really not enjoying property in any aspect and you kind of do want to do it for the freedom, then there are other ways you can build that freedom, you know, build up a marketing tech startup or something, sell it for X many million, become a bridger and then you're sorted for life. You know, so have a thing, actually. Is property where you want to be? If it isn't, then maybe think about doing something else. And don't feel trapped. You know, there's always people here to talk to you. There's always someone who you can reach out to. So, um, you know, drop me a message if you ever want to talk. Uh, I can't promise I'll get back straight away, but I, I definitely will get back to you. Um, there are other ways to make money in property, you know, if you really don't enjoy it. Next one is rejection. Now, recruitment, if anyone knows recruitment, everyone hates recruiters. I didn't know this. And um, we get rejected all the time, like rudely. It is pretty like, yeah, it's pretty bad in terms of like, you need a lot of emotional strength to deal with it. Now, in property, I don't think you'll get rejected as harshly as say like sales, but you will have people waste your time. Uh, investors, vendors, estate agents, you'll have people lie, people break the law, such as estate agents that have done before. You'll have uh, things drop out at the last minute. Uh, you'll get, you'll fail at auction. You'll do all these viewings, all these surveys, and it'll pull out. You'll get gazumped or gazunded, whatever. This is going to happen. Like, I've had 105 plus offers before I had, like, four or five accepted. Like, that's a lot of trips back and forth. A lot of Airbnb. It's a lot of subways, which I've got sick of now. I used to really, like, love subways on my viewings. But, like, they've got no spice anymore. Like... I don't know what's going I need to take my own, like, chilli sauce and spices because, like, yo, Subway, if you're listening, I don't know what's going on, but you're just too clinical lately. Sort that shit out, man. Uh, so you will get rejected a lot. It's a lot of money, a lot of cost, a lot of time, a lot of effort that goes into this. And you'll just be like, what? I wasted all of that for nothing. But it's not for nothing because your corner is around the corner. So get used to rejection. Go for no. There's a few TED Talks on that. There's a book, I think, called Go for No. Uh, but every no should maybe teach you something not maybe it should teach you something and be a lesson of next time how to get closer to a yes ah what did i say there that may have put that person off from working with me damn it is my tone of voice right that needs to change next time every no for me is like a is feedback it's ah what can i do better you know uh, if someone decides to not invest for whatever reason if it's out of my control then of course you know there's no feedback because it's out of my control but if there is some feedback, then I take it on board and we go again next time. So the next one is direction. Direction. This links to number one, like which strategy. It can be hard to have direction because you know, even if you set on a strategy, you're like, ooh, blocks of flat looks good. HMO looks good. Oh, I bought a house. It could be a HMO, but I want it as a flip. But now the team have started and oh, oh. And oh, you know, people always say, oh, buy to let you make 250 a month. Yeah, yeah, I want to do HMO. What should I do next? Like it can be so easy to get lost even when you have a strategy and when you're doing things well so slow things down the easiest thing is to have stuff written down so and i'm working on this at the moment what is your minimum profit on a flip what's your minimum return on cash left in what's your minimum time frame what is your like what is you know make everything objective every time you buy a property you should put it in your spreadsheet and it should tell you yes or no you know yes comparables are subjective and difficult but you know, you really want it to be an objective decision. Like, okay, does it meet my minimum return on cash left in? Tick. Okay, well, why am I not buying this? No, I am buying it, you know? So 
writing things down like a minimum standards would allow you to keep direction and also looking at your goals you know daily monthly weekly whatever your vision board or your like positive statements will just remind you why you're doing this in the first place and also keep you on the track that you want to go on now that's not to say that you can't switch track of course you can but that's your decision and I can't I can't give any more advice really apart from it's a decision you have to make and think through but hopefully by having written down your goals and your minimum standards for anything uh, it will help you like identify your direction and it'll keep you on on the track that you want to be on which like I said can change now number nine is education schooling so Oh, talk about this forever right like literally especially with everything that's happening in the in the kind of training scene at the moment i feel like there's going to be some sort of implosion just i don't know i just feel a lot of tension you know tension and i think yeah i don't know what's going to happen but i just feel like there's going to be a lot of complaints a lot of lawsuits or something's going to happen and not just to anyone in particular i mean across the industry i just think there's going to be a bit of a revolution a bit of a revolution by the people a coup d'etat is that how you say it? Coup d'état? When they take over the pirates, they take over the um the ship. That's a mutiny. Any any anyway, coup d'état is a is a political thing. You can tell I'm a property investor, not a um not a journalist or something. Right. Education. It's easy to go on a course. You pay money, you get results in a weekend. Lol. Do you get results in a weekend? I'll let you be the judge of that. For me, I did it the slow way, which is spending X many months building a foundation, a network, a group of people, saving money, making money with people who are still my friends and still help me and advise me and, and vice versa. Now, I say to people, look, how much is like one of these three-day courses? About a grand, a grand and a, let's say a grand and a half. How much is Nando's? Half chicken and chips uh, with matcha peas? I, I don't get chips anymore. I get matcha peas and the, the saucy spinach. So good. Not matcha peas, the, the greens thingy, the, the avocado. Anyways, that costs about £11.10. Is it £11.10? I should know, it's all on my receipts. Um, now, how many £11.10s fit into 1500 A lot, right? So what if you offered that many people a Nando's or whatever they like to eat, a vegan Nando's, uh, you know, what, what the Peter or Temple of Satan, whatever, uh, and you said, can I take you out for an hour? Can I buy you dinner, lunch? I'm not going to take more than an hour. I just want to pick your brain. Yes, people will turn you down. But most people like to help and most people like to be fed for free. So maybe have like a Nando's budget, as I call it, instead of a property course budget. And you may learn more, especially if you go to each meeting with specific questions. And not everyone's going to say yes either. Some people will say yes, but no, you don't have to buy me food. Don't worry about it. And it will work. Um, So it's a great way for you to you know do more than a course but also to build your network because you know you're putting people in the place of influence and power which people like and you're you know hopefully going to leave as you know more than just random facebook friends but people who could become friends or help each other out or you know what i mean and we're all you know we all get lonely in this sort of entrepreneur solopreneur game so you know some people just like to talk i know i do i like to listen but i like to talk as well so on education Consider what your other options are. Consider how much time you have. If you're not going to invest for six months because you're, you know, whatever, having a baby or you're working or something, then you have six months to learn. Why pay for a course when you can get it for free or, you know, near enough for free or the same amount as a course but get more value from it over time? 
whilst building your network and maybe people who could potentially invest in you. So that's what I say is like you can do it yourself. Masterminds, I you know, I don't particularly like them. Uh, having said that, I have access to free ones because of the brand and the network I've built. So I'm in a sort of biased position, but I've built myself up to this biased position, which you can too. But like I said, it's easy to pay for a mastermind because you get it there and then you get perceived experts in the industry, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I think you need to do some due diligence on the people who are teaching you. Also, if you think they've got good Instagram followings, please uh, use a tool called Hype Auditor and assess their Instagram followings and uh, let me know what you think because there's a few people, well, there's one or two who are on big stages and selling their social media courses, but they've bought, like I don't know, what was it, 60,000 followers? Some of that. Anyways, and it's quite obvious. I mean, you can tell when people have 60K followers and like 100 likes, there's a problem, right? Um, so do your due diligence on people. Take time. Don't be forced into any decisions. Any of these sale prices whatever they'll be there next week and the week after and when you call them and haggle don't like listen don't believe the nlp yeah 10 focus there's the last one as i lose focus right now keeping focus on stuff is so tricky you've got whatsapp popping off you've got instagram going you've got facebook you've got your actual you know job if you have a day job you have your property business you have refurbs ongoing you have legals ongoing you have chasing every single person in the process and you pick up your phone to do one thing. Oh, and look, there's 100 other stimuli. You know. Oh, look, Ted just posted a new, you know, bleeding yellow picture. What, what an idiot. Oh, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's difficult to focus, especially if you're big on, if you're like big on using social media. Pomodoro technique, Graham Page told me about that incredible focusing technique. Uh, just building a routine and a habit can really help you focus correctly like it is going to be a challenge especially when you get busier and you start acquiring more properties or investments or whatever you need to systemize and outsource and things like that but it like there's a lot going on and i actually find so project management tool like asana a-s-a-n-a is really good trello is quite good as well but i have a big whiteboard in my room in my office from um from recruitment and i have on here the properties that i'm well the properties i'm buying by their three-letter abbreviation they're in green if I own them and they're income generating, i.e. they're rented out with a plus. They're a plus next to them if I own them in blue if there's no income. There's no plus if I don't own them. There's a single line if I've exchanged, i.e. auction. Um, and then next to that, it's got the, their full names, if they're funded or not, they're all currently funded, and what stage they're in. Right now, all in refurbs apart from two, which one's in a complete... Wait, this is on Monday. One would have completed last Friday. Uh, and the other one's going to complete this week or next week, hopefully. Below that, I've got refurb funding, all the names of the properties, how much I need, how much I've raised. Um, we're looking for eighty thousand. I've raised fifty-eight thousand pounds, so I'm still looking for twenty-two thousand pounds. If you know anyone who wants to invest, I do pay introduction fees. You know, two hundred to six hundred pounds. Let me know. Um, and on the left, I've got some reminders and like kind of a to-do list. That helps me keep on top of my shit big time. So find something like this to stay on top of your focus and have notepads near you and pens and just write stuff down because it's so easy to forget and move on to the next task and then it's five o'clock and everyone's closed and nothing gets done and you, you know, so yeah. So those have been my 10 challenges in property. I really hope you leave here with actual, you know, practical tips on how to face these challenges or at least how I faced them and how you could too. But also... 
if you're new in property or you haven't faced these challenges, you know, I hope I've given you a heads up or a please expect this when it comes, you know, and I haven't even covered refurb problems or finding builders or, you know, I haven't covered any of the kind of really specific challenges in property. But what I will do is I will have a guest on who will cover that or I'll go through it myself on another Monday episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Test Talks. If you are free on the second Tuesday of every month, come to PPN Knightsbridge. In December, get this, we have a billionaire. You heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A billionaire coming to speak at the event to do a Q&A session. I don't know how many zeros are in a billion, but I feel like it's a lot. That is my first question to them. Don't laugh at me when I ask it. It's a very important question. I need to know, you know, what to set my goals to. Uh, who's going to come along and answer all your questions. It's the first billionaire at a PPN networking event. I think it might be the first billionaire speaker at any networking event. I don't know. I'm going to say it. And if I get called out, I get called out. But I think it is. So there we go. Hopefully see you then. And if you haven't left a review for the podcast, please do. Thank you so much. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.